Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees, this podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here at Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. Greetings, legends, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast, right here, live at the top of Tennessee Legend Distillery on Winfield Dunn Parkway in Sevierville, Tennessee. Thank you for tuning back in with us. Happy to have you back. Uh, I am Opie, and joined, of course, by uh, my boss and everyone's boss here at this location. And pretty much the regional manager of Tennessee Legend Distillery, Brian. What's up, Bilo? Greetings, Legends. How's everyone's week been? Like Tyler said, we definitely want to welcome you back to episode number two of Between Two Barrels. It's good to be back. It uh, is, and we definitely hope this is going to turn into a, a mm-hmm. long-time ongoing thing. Absolutely. So. Two of 2,000. Two, two of 2000 and beyond yes hopefully um just a quick recap of last week's episode tyler if you want to yeah we, lead us uh, off on a couple of we things did a little intro to what this podcast was going to be talked about us a little bit uh how long we had been here what all we have done previously before starting this um talked a little bit about the business of tennessee legend distillery and just distillery in general and a little bit about east tennessee um we discussed what this show will entail. Um, we we did, however, uh, in our discussion of some of the things that we we do here and and some in some, some stories, we did get some things incorrect. Yeah, uh, which we learned by sitting down with our actual head distiller, which you will hear that interview later in the episode. Uh, and uh, Brian, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes bad as it may sound coming from me as the person in the position <laughs> that I am giving out incorrect information it does happen and mm. I am definitely owning up to it and the fact that I did make a, a mistake in some of the information that we did provide to you guys uh, a couple of the things the actual flavoring process itself which Justin goes into great detail about mm-hmm. and it is very interesting some of the information that he does present as far as that concerning things with people with different allergens um, what they would be sensitive to, uh, the steps that we take to make products that still more people can enjoy when they would normally have mm-hmm. some sort of reaction to different elements. Um, not only that, but also the number of iterations that the peanut butter cup whiskey wound up mm-hmm. going through um, before it actually made it to bottle and you know put out on the shelf for sale. But yeah, like you said, he's definitely going to wind up giving us a lot more information on those topics and and correct any of the incorrect information that I had put out there. So, <laughs> and it, like I said, it does happen. Um, however, this week, as we said, we will be joined by our head distiller, uh, Justin Holman. Uh, but before that, let's talk a little bit about work that we did uh, after the release of last week's episode, because we have an entire work week after we release these episodes. And a lot can happen between the last time we talked and today. Very much so. Very much so. <clears throat> Any uh, new things in the works? Uh, I know you, the the laser has been working overtime in the back. Yes, for those of you that don't know or may not have known, uh, Tennessee Legend Distillery does have multiple like CNC laser machines mm-hmm. that we can customize. Uh, our wedding bells bottle we can take any of our edge glassware be able to customize it whether it be names dates uh, any kind of commemorative date Mm -hmm. uh, wedding date anniversary birthday Uh, one of our uh, employees became a father uh, twice now Mm -hmm. uh, within the last couple of years 
And the first go around, we were able to take a flask and engrave um, what would be his first Father's Day gift mm-hmm. um, on the leatherette flask. So, yeah, we've got the opportunity to not only be able to create some unique gifts for anyone in your family uh, that wants any kind of drinking-related memorabilia in that aspect, uh, but we can also create all kinds of fun projects using Mm -hmm. the the laser engraver. Um, One of the things that we've been working on lately is breaking down our barrels because we're going to get as much use of them out of much use out of them as we can mm-hmm. uh so not only is that going to include placing an image or uh, logo icon uh, wording any kind of stuff on what the barrel head would be but we're also using the staves uh, multiple staves still connected together mm-hmm. with the band to create quarter panels and all kinds of things um so you definitely want to check us out here in store and hopefully we'll be able to get all that stuff displayed online as well Mm -hmm. just so that way people can see some of the fun and interesting projects that our now hopefully firmly established uh (laughs) laser production crew uh, will be able to produce here in the near future Mm -hmm. uh, including some licensed products Mm -hmm. uh, that hopefully we'll be able to get to talk about in a future episode Mm -hmm. I know the the laser engraving on etching glasses and all that um, for like our rocks glasses and all that. If you're in the area and if you're a fan of Tennessee Legend Distiller, they make great groomsmen gifts. Oh, absolutely. Um, we this fall also up. recently did uh, a series of trophies for a tournament. Yes, for the Tennessee World Soft or Tennessee Division of the World Softball League (WSL), um, they had a tournament that. Tennessee Legend actually sponsored mm-hmm. the King Snake Classic, the first annual King Snake Classic, and we were able to make all of their trophies, which included the barrels, the quarter panels, mm-hmm. and staves for the different places and stuff for that tournament. And they had a men's and women's division uh, in the men's since there were so many teams that signed up. They had multiple divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, women signing up. They had quite a few teams, and hopefully for next year or even later this year mm-hmm. uh, we'll be able to have another tournament and have even more women's teams sign up so we'll be able to do multiple trophies for them instead of just the singular for you know first place second mm-hmm. place we'll actually be able to have multiple divisions for them but no um our local representative for the tennessee wsl and that may even be someone that we can get on a future yeah. episode to to talk about um Uh, as being another just Tennessee legend themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, we were able to get those trophies made for them. They were very grateful, and they're even wanting to try to take it to a national level. So uh, it's it's crazy how one person that you meet and you do something for them, it can uh, be a a huge springboard Mm -hmm. for for many future things. And we've actually got someone uh, a little bit later that we're going to talk about that uh, visited with us just over this past weekend. Mm and we'll uh, be telling you a little bit about them. Yep. And hopefully, like I said, the, the collaboration with them winds up going the distance mm-hmm. as well. So, And that's one thing that I love about is is we're so like constantly looking for new collaboration ideas with not just smaller businesses, but other passionate brands and people and who are just willing to work on not just a national level, but like local level. And, like, just doing that fun stuff just because, A, we can, and, B, we enjoy doing little things. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have to say uh, we have a, an a influencer initiative that we do, uh, loosely based off the Avengers initiative. Uh, I have to – I can't take full credit. The idea did kind of come from Nick Fury himself. Right. Um, that we – partner with a lot of influencers on different social media apps and uh, our newest edition uh, very active on TikTok fantastic content uh, her handle is called drunken cyborg it's at the underscore drunken underscore cyborg and so next month she will receive some free product from us and taste and make some fun content with it and she's very excited uh, we uh, talked a little bit over late last week and over the weekend a little bit so she uh signed up and we uh are she's got great fun witty content and uh 
just a a beautiful bourbon badass is what i called her nice and uh so uh we're very excited to have her and if you are yourself listening to this and you you fancy yourself an influencer and you've got a nice following you know hit us up email us oh absolutely i this is something that like i've had the opportunity to meet a few celebrities and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um Recently, whenever I attended you guys with the 30 and Nerdy crew mm-hmm. uh, to Knoxville Fanboy, I mm-hmm. uh, actually was even bumped into by William Zabka <laughs> as I was exiting the restroom. He was on his way in. And I, I'm not so much starstruck or awestruck as I used to be. Mm-hmm. But, dude, whenever I see an influencer, just someone on TikTok, on mm-hmm. Instagram making a reel or creating content using the Tennessee Legend products, that's where I get that type of feeling again is whenever I see this type of stuff. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, you bumped into, you know, the the, the, bad, prod, guy. the, the bad guy from <laughs> the first Karate Kid. Hey, yeah, whatever, big deal. But whenever you see someone, you you know, with post something with our products of like that, it's like, holy that's crap. That's ours. Yeah. Holy crap, that's ours. Um which I found really fun about this is because, like, like you said, you know, we can bump into celebrities, but like, the brand we work with and work for, seeing it used in a, a famous light, these days for me, like, outweighs like talking to a celebrity. Like you said, it's like, oh, that's ours. Yeah. Holy crap, we work with that. Like, yeah. you know, that's something we did. Um, Where we mentioned the the Christmas in tune, the Reba mm-hmm. McIntyre and. Uh, um, I think the other one is uh, he was also in Smallville. He was yes, but anyway, yeah. one of the original Dukes of Hazard, Duke, one yeah. of the original Duke boys, uh, and you just see the product yeah. there, and it's like sitting there in his hand, picking it up, saying, "You want some of this bourbon?" Yeah, and that's ours. Yeah, and and just to see that anywhere in any capacity is is amazing because you know that. I know you've had the opportunity, and I've definitely been on the production line mm-hmm. before we got the automated system, mm-hmm. doing these individual parts of filling, labeling, oh, seeing it happen, sealing, Ugh. all of this stuff, boxing the stuff back up, and you're there as a part of it, and then you wind up seeing, you know, someone do something like this, mm-hmm. and then all of these, you know, hundreds thousands mm-hmm. possibly millions of people want you know see yeah. this stuff and it's like i did that yeah i'm kind of like what i was telling you my, my one of my legendary or something yeah. that makes me feel legendary They're nobody knows yeah, yeah nobody knows that it was me yeah but i can say that millions of people have seen my work well and and it's kind of like that trickle down like that bottle of king snake that's that he waves around in the movie asking her if she wants a drink you know how many people in this company touched that bottle of king snake oh for from, sure from smitty lifting the barrel up to pouring it with a forklift to right you know some of the guys like literally hand labeling it yeah holding the sock hand labeling it twisting the cork with their hands mm-hmm. like you know nine eight to nine individuals in a small town local business handled that and made that with care right just so it could be mm-hmm. used and consumed on a movie set by reba mcintyre and one of the duke boys like right just but they don't know that right but we do and yeah. seeing it i'm like wow like it's we it's, built that yeah literally almost by hand we didn't bank the glass by hand but you know everything else was made by our hands mm-hmm. so that's really a cool thing so uh now in the later interview, you will hear us hint around at some things coming out that we just, and some things will even be edited out of this interview because we can't talk about it yet. Right. You yes. know, he talks about it with us, but we cannot convey it to the, the masses just yet just until yet. it's time. But are there anything new that we do have? Um, I know that we got some new merch coming out um we have a single barrel bourbon so anything that we can discuss yeah as a matter of fact we do currently have one of our single barrel bourbons available mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who are not familiar with what a single barrel bourbon would be um it is a 
as it sounds, I mean, a single barrel was selected amongst many barrels of aged whiskey or bourbon in this sense. And there's nothing else other than filtration done to it. Mm -hmm. And then it is bottled. It's bottled at whatever strength it comes out of the cask or the barrel at. And there's a panel, uh, usually, of course, the head distiller, some of the other production crew. And they'll even include uh, sometimes myself or our uh, marketing distribution rep, mm-hmm. uh, who we'll talk about or talk to actually uh, mm-hmm. in one of our episodes coming up here in the future. Um, we'll select a barrel, and based off of our you know input and stuff like that, that barrel will be selected. And like I said, it will be bottled. Uh, we can typically get around 230 to 250 uh, bottles out of a single barrel. Um, and those will be distributed amongst the four locations, uh, only available in those four locations. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that you can get online. It's not anything that you can special order. You literally have to visit one of our four mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee locations to be able to pick this product up. And usually it's uh, bottled at around 118. That's usually what it comes out of the cask at. But we have had some that's exceeded 120, uh, just barely. And some stuff that's dropped down to around 115, 116. But 118 has been pretty much the Mm -hmm. sweet spot that we've released the single barrels in. Um, We also have a uh, single malt Mm -hmm. whiskey that's going to be coming out. um, And that one is going to benefit the Amphibian Foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did learn about that. And Justin's actually going to let you know a little bit more about that during his interview. Um, that's pretty much it that we can talk about now mm-hmm. on the alcohol end of things, other than we have been given on good authority that after years and years of not doing it, uh, there will be a fall favorite cream mm-hmm. release this year. Um, and I say fall favorite, favorite amongst, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of Ugg wearing, mm-hmm. uh, sweater donning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beanie cat flaunting <laughs> flannel wearing flannel yeah where you you get the picture by yeah. this point hopefully yeah. you do anyway um but it'll be one of the flavors that mm. they really really enjoy uh, mm. getting into the fall season uh, as a dairy liqueur so mm. yes you can put it in your coffee you can mm. stop at the the two main uh uh factions whenever it comes to getting your <laughs> your caffeine fix mm-hmm. Uh, in the form of a, a, a cooked bean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's one that's coming out, but I'm not going to give away too much, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> if I hadn't already given it away. Uh, but we also actually today, as a matter of fact, got some new shirt designs mm-hmm. uh, delivered. The one that I'm most excited about is a three-quarter length sleeve. Um, as both of us are people mm-hmm. who have played baseball, um uh, you can't get away from the three-quarter sleeve and the love of the three-quarter sleeve Mm -hmm. um but it's a really fun design uh that one is going to be available of course in all four of the stores and may make its way to our online uh, platform Mm -hmm. for purchase and then we also have a new tennessee whiskey trail shirt Mm -hmm. out um not really highlighting any of the locations per se on the trail but it's just a, a fun fun design so uh make sure and check out our social media and stuff like that uh, and we've mentioned the tags and everything mm-hmm. else, and it's on all of our different outlets and stuff to where you can locate all of those. Um, but, yeah, uh, two new shirts. We also have some hats in the works, uh, some mm. more glassware, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. And, like I said, the best way to be able to keep up with any of that stuff is just to follow us on our socials. As a matter of fact, if you have not yet, what rock have you been living mm. under? Um, because we are in a race to 10,000 followers on our Newport Highway location page. And mm-hmm. once we do hit that 10,000 followers, we are going to be giving away a couple of nights stay at the Margaritaville Island Hotel. Um, so, like I said, if you have not already, make sure you like and follow us on our Newport Highway page. And for any uh, any time that you share that, for any shares that you wind up doing with that, uh, that's going to get you more entries mm-hmm. into that contest. So uh, we're not too far away. We're trying to make this final push. Hopefully we can get there before the summer fully officially ends. But if it takes a little bit longer, then we'll just wait because we're definitely going to hit that 10K mm-hmm. uh, before we do that giveaway. Absolutely. So, and not only that, it also includes a gift card for the distillery itself. Absolutely. 
Uh, so you'll be able to get some swag. You may even be able to turn that in for a bottle or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're probably, by the time that we do the giveaway, we may even have secured some other fun stuff to be able to give away yeah. to folks as well. So. Absolutely. But Absolutely. yeah, the main thing is go to that Newport Highway Tennessee Legend Facebook page and give it a follow there mm-hmm. so we can hit that 10K. So uh, moving on, uh, one of the things I wanted to do for this episode is highlight a cocktail for this episode. And this one is called the Limestone. Speaking of Tennessee legends, the East Tennessee area and Appalachian area in general is uh, very heavily populated with limestone. Um, mm-hmm. Very, uh, as if you will ask any paranormal expert, they will say that it is a, a heavy conduit for paranormal activity. It's also a very good filtration system. Mm-hmm. It helps um, eliminate some bacteria mm-hmm. and stuff like that, negative bacteria. Yeah. You know, you'll have good bacteria, bad bacteria, uh, but it helps filter. Um, it's also part of what makes, at least in this sense, uh, Kentucky bourbon as prominent as it is because the water source that's used to be able to make Kentucky bourbons or several Kentucky bourbons is harvested or you know sourced mm-hmm. from a heavy limestone stream flowing through Kentucky. Yeah. So. So there you go. Some more information. So the limestone. Uh, naturally, it's very hot out there. It's been very hot, very humid. So with this co- cool, crisp cocktail will be great for a hot day. It is created by our mixologist master Trey from our Cookville location at 323 East Spring Street in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, so stop by and ask for the limestone. Tell them you heard about it on In Between Two Barrels. And Brian and Tyler said hello. Yeah. Uh, so now most of the products outside of our spirits you can get at any grocery store or any store really. Uh, for our Richard's Damn Good Gin, though, you can stop by and get a bottle of that or order it off keganbottle.com. That's K-E-G, the letter N, B-O-T-T-L-E dot com. So to make this drink, you are going to use two ounces of Richard's Damn Good Gin, four ounces of tonic water, a lime slice for a garnish. You will fill a highball glass with ice, add gin and tonic water, and stir gently to mix. Garnish with a slice of lime and enjoy the cool crispness of the limestone. So that was created by Trey, as I said. So enjoy that. Let us know. Give it a try. Let us know how you how you felt about it. Our gin is technically what's considered a newer age gin. Yeah, we pull back the juniper, push forward the citrus, so less of that piney taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more lemon-lime. So the, the lime garnish uh, definitely definitely plays mm-hmm. into this one well. And one of my things to do with the gin is to make what's called a gin bucket. Uh, you may have heard it as several other names, but basically you take uh, fresh fruit slices, lemon, mm-hmm. lime, orange, anything, you know, hefty citrus. Um, put that into a pitcher, um, mm-hmm. one of the dispenser containers, however you want to go about it. Uh, add... You know, if you're going to be going with at least a gallon or more size container, go ahead and have the whole bottle. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then fill it up with lemonade. So you've got nice. fresh fruit, lemonade, and the gin. All is going to work really well together, and it's really light, refreshing. If you are going to be out, it's still hot where you're at and going mm-hmm. to be hot like it will here in East Tennessee until at least November, mid-October, maybe? getting <laughs> close to end of October, going lucky. into November. Uh, it's not like it was whenever I first moved here and you actually were able to go to the yeah. uh, Tennessee Valley Fair in late October and it actually be, be cool yes. in the evenings. Yeah. Uh, not so much anymore. Not anymore, no. Um, but I will go back. I do want to point out that as you were doing the keg and bottle uh, spell out, uh-huh. it took me back to the old uh, sit as in citrus, cal as in calcium, <laughs> citrical. <laughs> Now you know the, the rest, rest of, of the story. story. Now that's a local legend. For sure. That is a For legend sure. right there. Uh, Saturday mornings, listening mm-hmm. to Paul Harvey with my grandfather. Dude. Oh, oh man. Yeah, man. Uh, a, a, a true voice idol. Yes. Yes. True voice idol, uh, Mr. Paul Harvey. So. Absolutely. And the fun thing about the, the gin is I'm not a massive gin fan because, like you said, the juniper. Myself, yes. The uh, juniper is... It's the juniper is, is like... 
can be too pine heavy. It's like you're drinking with pine the Christmas salt tree. from yeah. some people. Yeah. Uh, I actually learned about what juniper was before I worked at the distillery through the video game Skyrim because you can harvest juniper berries. And I didn't know what, what it was when I was playing it. I mean, this game's been out for almost 12 years now. Right. And I finally was like, what in God's name is juniper berry? And I just looked up juniper berry and I was like, oh, pine. Oh, cool, cool. Okay, well, I learned something from video games. Cool. Nice. And uh, it wasn't how to be violent. <laughs> it was not how to be violent. Uh, so try that drink. Let us know. Reach out to us on social media or email us and uh, let us know what you thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. So this past weekend, we were joined in the store by our friends at Southern Vet Suites. Oh, Jason Troy oh, Altry Jason himself. Troy Altry. And he uh, uses a lot of our products to make some fun stuff. Uh, so we're going to step away for a quick break to let you hear a little bit about Jason and his fantastic uh, business, along with a word from other friends of ours. Uh, don't go anywhere, Legends. Uh, Between Two Barrels will return after this. Do you go nuts about our products at Tennessee Legend Distillery? Do you think our products should be on nuts? Well, look no further than Southern Vet Sweets. At Southern Vet Sweets, they specialize in baked goods and desserts that are sure to tantalize your taste buds. They make a variety of treats from cookies to alcohol-infused delights and modern takes on Southern favorites. They provide custom and bulk orders at southernvetsweets.com. Make sure to look through their catalog of tasty southern favorites. And not only do they have sweet treats for your taste buds, they are also veteran-owned and operated. And whenever you place your order, tell Jason, Tennessee Legend Distillery sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. You're currently listening to our legendary friends and personal spirit guides, Brian and Opie, at the Between Two Barrels podcast. After you're done, head on over to the 30 and Nerdy podcast and give us a listen. Life as a nerd moves pretty fast these days, so tune in and keep up with us as we dive into all aspects of nerd culture, from Marvel and DC to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Dive into the ever-growing world of pop culture with us, Tyler Mack and Josh Davis. Cheers to you, nerds. Welcome back, guys, and we are joined by our Speak of the Devil from the last episode, our legendary distiller justin um justin thanks for stopping by happy to be here and uh we just wanted to ask you a few questions from your perspective your time here because because you've obviously been here longer than we have you've been here pretty much since the inception so uh i guess the first thing that i would want to ask is give a brief description uh, history from your from your eyes from the beginning, you know how it all came about. What started this legend that is TLD? So we uh, were initially established uh, with uh, some partners, uh, my family as well as uh, the Richard Fraser and his wife, um, and they worked with uh, some other distilleries to get established initially. Uh, at the time, I was working in Cookville, Tennessee, in the liquor industry, mm-hmm. um, working at a liquor store there, and uh, doing some purchasing, had the opportunity to visit spirit shows, kind of get enmeshed in the, the spirits world um, a little bit, and uh, uh, when I got the call that they wanted someone to come up and run this distillery that they'd gotten established. So I came up at the beginning of 2016 uh, to essentially a, a fresh space. Uh, they had the facility, uh, they had a, a couple products in mind, and no real idea how to turn that into reality and, and create a product out of it. So uh, I spent my first couple months just getting enmeshed in the world of distilling, trying to understand the, particularly the tax code. Uh, if uh, you hear anything about working with alcohol, 
uh, I'm sure you're going to hear about the taxes and mm. the, the legal system involved. Uh, it's a lot more daunting than the actual production process, let me tell you. And that's probably why the, the, the actual backwoods moonshiners and stuff like that as to why the, the whole uh, um, infatuation or the, the uh, uh, love affair, I guess you could say, with moonshine at the mm-hmm. one point in time was just because of the fact that they were giving a big middle finger to the government and yeah. saying we're not paying taxes yeah. we're gonna you know continue making this stuff we're making more off that the top. has been yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna make this our way and we don't want to play by your rules but uh so in 2010 and part of what we had explained is that um some people amongst the area here in east tennessee Sevier county uh petitioned to be able to get legalized moonshine and the process itself really is not much different i mean of course the materials what you use the equipment and stuff like that is all fda regulated and everything else compared to the the backwoods guys but basically it just boils down to that they found a way to be able to pay taxes on it so that's that's how we got the the legal moonshine as it were yeah ultimately the big difference is just the the scale of the equipment um the actual function of them still pretty much the same we're using the same kind of inputs uh, a lot of times using the same kind of yeast. Some a little more sophisticated. We've got some better enzymes. Uh, you know, we're we're not having to uh, rely on malted barley for everything. Uh, though a lot of those guys aren't even using that. They're just getting really low yields. Mm. Uh, so we we've advanced things a little bit, but the core of the process is the same regardless what scale you're doing it at. Awesome! Awesome! Heck yeah! Um, so I know one of the other things that a lot of people would probably be be inclined to know is uh, you had mentioned that there were a couple of flavors coming in whenever you had first joined in with the with the team or the family, as it were. Um, then you just kind of had almost free reign in coming up with some more uh, products and flavors. And I know that you had mentioned having worked in the alcohol industry from a retail standpoint. So you were able to see the types of flavors and stuff that people bought most often. And I guess that's something that, that could have given you a, a, a leg up, so to speak, yes. in trying to determine some new flavors and products that, that the company could carry or produce. Yeah, that's, that certainly uh, was helpful getting started. And um, honestly, uh, uh, even more important than seeing what flavors sold, I had the opportunity to try the same flavors from a variety of producers. You know, lots of people have a blackberry, lots of people have an apple, and the opportunity to try these different producers and see the differences and what worked and what didn't, and uh, see the quality level in various places. And that was the, the key thing in my mind when I came into this, is I had an opportunity to make these flavors and do it right. Uh, a lot of flavors that are out there on the market, um, Maybe they taste like what they're supposed to taste like. Uh, a lot of them are really sweet, uh, really rough alcohol. Um, they're often an afterthought from a producer who really wants to make bourbon or wants to make moonshine or, or vodka or gin or whatnot and feels like they need to put out a flavor uh, to compete in the market or as some quick cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came in with the opportunity to take a step above that, to put the care into the flavor and, and truly have an opportunity to make a flavor product that tastes great, that I wanted to drink. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love a great bourbon, I'm a rum guy at heart, but I've always enjoyed flavored products. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of fun there, they're easy to drink, and uh, you know, obviously some are better than others, and I wanted my opportunity to, to make great ones. And, and from the feedback that we typically typically get, uh, especially as Tyler and myself have spent quite a bit of time behind the bar and we get the instant feedback after people are tasting these different products, those reactions definitely tell the story of the fact that you have spent so much time with the individual flavors and with the individual products to get them to a point to where they are more than not universally accepted by whatever palate that happens to enjoy the the product as it were um correct me if i'm wrong but there was a process especially with one of the best-selling flavors that 
Tennessee legend does have being the peanut butter cup, that there were over 30, 34, 35 different uh, variations that that went through? 42 variations. Oh, okay. Actually. So we're in the 40s. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, that one was particularly challenging. Um, in, in general, chocolate flavors are very difficult. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of different extracts and so much of the chocolate flavors come off tasting like a Tootsie Roll. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you, it's hard to get that rich, complex flavor of chocolate. And then you add peanuts into the mix, and that's another uh, separate can of worms of uh, flavor depth. So to, to find the right combination that, that brought that chocolate forward flavor, that balanced it with the peanut, and, and got that creaminess. I, you know, ultimately I was looking at Reese's for inspiration because who doesn't love Reese's? Mm, no doubt. Uh, and so it, it took a lot of effort to get it to where I wanted it to be. Uh, much to the, the frustration of our distributor who wanted it six months earlier than I had it ready. Uh, but, you know, uh, a, a it's better to wait and put out the best product you can than rush something that people aren't going to like. Absolutely. You, know, you only have one opportunity to make a first impression, so make right. it good. Right. And, and what's the saying? Legends take time. So, Legends I mean, take time. That's right. Absolutely. So what were you doing before? Uh, so immediately before, uh, I was working at a liquor store in Cookville. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've kind of bounced around my backgrounds in biology and geology. Um, I actually got a bachelor's from Tennessee Tech and spent a couple of years kind of exploring the world. Uh, I worked as a fossil hunter in Montana for a couple summers, um, helping teach people how to dig uh, dinosaur bones. I worked as a scuba diver for the Ripley's Aquarium for a year, um, doing show dives for them, working with the animals. Um, Really was at the time looking for zoo jobs um, to get into the herpetology world. but uh, it's, it's a difficult uh, field, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. There's not a whole lot of opportunities, and uh, I decided to work in liquor to make ends meet and discovered the, the fun world there that I had been ignoring. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's where you found your love for and answers the question, why reptiles? Snakes, dinosaurs? It's, it's always been a passion of mine. Um, I you know, was... Uh, as a six-year-old, when people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would tell them a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. Mostly people were surprised that a six-year-old could pronounce it. Uh, and that really didn't change through most of my life. Um, it's certainly still a passion of mine. And uh, it's, I, I realized uh, at a certain point that my best opportunity to interact with that world is to... Uh, you know, make my mark and interact with it in my free time. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to put in the, the time and dedication uh, that it takes to truly influence that field. Uh, the paleontologists that go through the uh, years and years of schooling and PhDs to get into academia are far more dedicated than I am. Uh, and so the best I can hope is to uh, do something fun and contribute to that in my spare time. But your your uh, love and admiration of both uh, ancient reptiles as well as uh, uh, modern reptiles and amphibians is definitely shown uh, throughout the work with the mm-hmm. different monikers that some of the products carry: the cane break, the king snake, the agave saurus rex. Yeah, I wanted to bring some of my personality and background to the products. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one that I'm very excited about is an upcoming product uh, that we, uh, we haven't officially announced yet, um, but I do feel kind of comfortable talking about at this point. So one of the products that uh, we haven't officially announced yet that I'm very excited to talk about is actually going to be a single malt whiskey that we're working on. Uh, it's going to be called the Red Cheek Single Malt. Uh, it's inspired by mm. a salamander that's found in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park called the Jordan's Red Cheek Salamander. They are only found in the National Park. Uh, it's, I chose the animal because it's, one, adorable, uh, and it's a great uh, example to talk about and point out the wild diversity of amphibians that we have in the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more species of salamanders in the Smoky Mountains than any other part of the world. Uh, 
So we took the opportunity uh, with this new product to partner with the Amphibian Foundation down in Georgia. Uh, so some of the proceeds for every bottle that we sell will go to the Amphibian Foundation to help sponsor conservation efforts. Uh, they put in a lot of work uh, monitoring, uh, particularly monitoring fungus, uh, fungus outbreaks mm. in amphibian populations across the, mostly the southeast, um, but they've got operations all over the U.S. Wow. Uh, so it's a, it's a worthy uh, opportunity, and uh, I'm excited because I think it's going to be a fun product. That's awesome cause, too. Heck yeah, definitely looking forward to it. That's awesome. I've actually never tried a single malt. It's, uh, if you're not familiar with the style, it's, it's essentially an American scotch. Okay. Uh, scotch, of course, has to be made in Scotland, mm -hmm. but traditionally is from a single strain of malted barley. Gotcha. Um, so this is a, a similar style, just made in the U.S., um, but uh, it's quite good. I'm looking forward to getting to share it. Wow. Heck yeah. We're That's definitely awesome. looking forward to being able to try some of it. Uh, speaking of trying some things, I believe you may have mentioned earlier, uh, whenever we were trying to get everything set up, that uh we do have a partnership with a specific company we're not going to get into any kind of details not on this particular podcast or anything like that uh, but we have had the fortunate opportunity to be working with a company local here to east tennessee and have been able to make some licensed products and i think uh, after we get done with the podcast here today we are more than likely going to be trying some of this new product mm -hmm. uh the process we always enjoy whenever Justin spends some time down in the lab uh, coming up with the new products, flavors, and stuff like that because uh, we, as some of the salespeople, uh, he values the opinions of several people throughout the company and the people who are day in and day out selling the products to people. Of course, that's a good place to be able to get some valuable information from, mm -hmm. as well as the people that are producing this stuff on a daily basis. So uh, the input of both the production company as well as the sales team uh, something that does help go into producing these products and like I said I'm looking forward to being able to try this one after we get done uh, especially for those of you who are vodka lovers mm -hmm. I hear it's a really fun play on a, on a vodka um, but before we get to that um, I did want to ask if you wouldn't mind uh, taking us kind of through the process um, what happens whenever you come up with an idea or whenever you're presented with uh, with this company that we're working with, they're looking for a product for this particular uh, licensing or franchise or whatever the case may be. Uh, just give us a little bit of an insight into the process from conception to realization. Sure. Um, so uh, a lot of it depends on the specific type of product that they're looking for. Uh, now, we, uh, we've uh, I always try to be very open about the, the fact that we like to source spirits from distilleries around the country. Um, we do produce some our own, of, of our own, um, but we also work with other distilleries, both in the U.S. and outside of it, to source spirits that we can't make. Um, so uh, whenever uh, we're looking at a new product, the first step is figuring out what kind of base we're going to be working with. Whether that be a, a moonshine, a whiskey, a rum. Exactly. Or, you know, a, a, there are even some projects that we're looking at, you know, getting material from other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, so d depending on what the specific goal is, uh, we could be looking at anything from a, a very simple neutral spirit base uh, to something more elaborate and complex like sourcing a tequila, sourcing... An agave spirit out of Mexico or something like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, once a base is established, uh, if there's going to be any flavoring involved, uh, that's kind of the, the big experimental step. So uh, for... For example, for a new flavored product, uh, if we have something in mind, obviously that makes the process a lot faster. We've got a starting point. Uh, I'll reach out to some of the flavor houses that I work with and start getting samples. Um, we work with a couple um, and we get samples of different extracts, natural flavors, um, and sometimes raw materials, just depending on what we want to work with for that particular type of spirit. Um, usually I'll get a little bit of a variety uh, and start just doing small batches in the lab. Um, I work with a small scale, uh, measuring out about 100 milliliter portions at a time, 
uh, working with a, a very precise small scale uh, and just uh, experimenting with different usage levels. Start out with uh, 1% of one particular extract and see what that tastes like. Do another batch with 1% of another one. Um, once I get a, a baseline of the different options that I'm working with, we start blending and uh, get an idea of, you know, I like the, the extra vanilla notes of this flavor, I like the boldness of this flavor, you know, let's try half a percent of this and two percent of that <coughs> and start bringing the flavors together uh, to start layering those, those flavors together. So I think I might be getting ready to make a bunch of potential um, middle school and high school math teachers mm. very happy in saying that you definitely need to make sure that you are up on your math chops uh, going into into this type of a field. Certainly so. Uh, and uh, Math and chemistry have helped me tremendously uh, working in this industry. Um, everything... You know, uh, everything in alcohol requires intense levels of measurement and reporting. So anything we make has to be measured uh, down to the hundredth of a proof gallon. Uh, and that requires precise scales, uh, precise volumetric equipment, flasks, uh, patience. measuring, and, and a lot of patience. Uh, and, and a lot of consistency. There's a lot of work goes into maintaining our records for the distillery and and maintaining all of our measuring equipment up to spec and, and up to calibration to meet the requirements for the state. Because all of this has to routinely and continuously be submitted to the state. Yes, yeah, everything we do is filed monthly, uh, some cases every two weeks. Um, we're updating the government on what we've produced, what we've shipped, uh, and, and everything has to match. So it's, it's important to be good at, good at math and good at bookkeeping. That way we're not becoming bootleggers. <laughs> yes. As much as we like bootlegging, we've got to preserve our license and do yeah. this right. Yeah. Well, no, um, that's that's definitely awesome in the fact that there is so much that a lot of people wouldn't even begin to think that actually goes into the entire process, whether it be from just the actual production of the product which you say is is actually on the lower end of the stuff that you have to actually worry about and deal with the the biggest thing of course being making sure that we are staying compliant with the rules and regulations that have been set down by not only a federal level but a state and countywide level as well yes um, yeah i mean uh, cities like to throw their own laws in the mix as well uh, there are city taxes county taxes state taxes federal taxes uh, that we've got to worry about and uh, everybody's got their own rules um, distribution is its own uh, network of headaches as every state has their own rules and they vary quite a lot mm. um, so what works in tennessee does not necessarily work in virginia um, and all of those states have to have their own separate record keeping and separate reporting every month. It, it becomes uh, quite a lot to manage on that end. This might be a, a, a reference that would be best served in the, the 30 and Nerdy podcast, yeah. our friends over at 30 and Nerdy. Um, but it's almost like the, the Vogons from... Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide yes. to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Everything has to be filled out in triplicate and sent in with your, as long as you got mother's your maiden name. Reports. It has to be buried for six years yeah. and then re-dug up and everything else. It feels that way sometimes. See, I did not know that. I didn't know that there was so much red tape. Yeah. Oh, and, and just for a weird example, we ran into an issue trying to get distribution in South Carolina uh, because they literally did not have the forms or the structure for us to enter the state with our business structure as a general partnership. Uh, so we were initially denied our application because we didn't submit the form we needed because we couldn't get the form we needed because that they was didn't an issue have the form. general partnership. Uh, and they wanted us to fill out a form for an LLC that uh, we couldn't supply the information for, not being Because we LLC. weren't listed as an LLC. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, they did, uh, about eight months later, eventually come reach out to us, uh, having fixed some of those problems. 
so we are thankfully uh, able to do business in South Carolina now. Heck yeah, I'm glad it's the fact that us as a business here in Tennessee can affect the, the state level of another mm-hmm. state in terms of how they wind up doing business because yeah. of the want, the, yeah. the actual the, the demand for Tennessee Legend products. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the benefits and challenges of the alcohol industry as well. Um, legislation is constantly changing. You know, we, we are part of the Tennessee Distillers Guild. Um, we're incredibly thankful for that organization. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to work with and get to know almost all the distilleries across the state. Um, from, you know, our, our neighbors over at uh, Old Forge up to the biggest in Jack Daniels. Um, we get an opportunity to inter- interact with everybody on a level playing field. And it gives us an opportunity to work together to push forward legislation that helps distilleries across the state. That's awesome. Um, we've managed to do uh, a lot as a guild uh, to help uh, increase parity with breweries and winery regulations, um, as well as fight back uh, unnecessary regulations. There was a couple years back uh, a barrel tax that was attempted to be levied uh, out of nowhere that the guild was able to. Uh, successfully uh, fight back and prevent us from being unnecessarily taxed for every barrel of whiskey that we have in storage. Uh, so, you know, it's it's great that we've got an organization like that in our state. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of states don't have the same strength of a distiller's guild that we do in Tennessee. Don't call us a union. We're a guild. We're a guild, by God. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we, we work hard to, to improve legislation for, for our industry and, and that is one of the things that it can be difficult to keep up with changes as uh, you know new changes can happen every year um, but it's uh, thankfully it tends to be changes for the better mm-hmm. nice and and I've heard some stories about the the Tennessee Distillers Guild and it is a really close-knit group of people um, that there was a the one story that really sticks out in my mind is the one where one of the local distillers had fallen on ill health and several of the distillers from the guild had stepped in to be able to help that particular manufacturer run their equipment so that way they weren't going to be losing out on any kind of product being Mm. you know made during that time and losing out on potential revenue that multiple distillers wound up stepping in and and keeping their process their operation going so i mean random people coming from from different big name distilleries and coming in and helping the little guy just because it is such a close-knit group yeah and that's out of that belief of like you know like if one falters it's going to affect all of us so we we strongly believe in the 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 adage rising tides lift all ships yeah Uh, people come to tennessee to uh tour distilleries to Mm -hmm. experience distillery tourism um, so if we're doing well, uh, nobody's coming here just to visit one distillery. Mm-hmm. They want to explore. They want to try different stuff. And, and if we can make that experience good, that'll encourage them to go to the next person and see what they're like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, what helps one helps us all. Very simpatico. Yes. Yes, very, very much so. Um, Justin, we definitely want to thank you for joining us today. You've definitely given us a great insight into, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of the, the world that people wouldn't even begin to imagine goes into uh, producing any sort of alcoholic beverage, um, especially with all the taxes and then the the lengthy process of, of getting uh, a product approved to be able to put onto the shelves for sale. Well, I'm uh, happy to complain about taxes and bureaucracy anytime you want me. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, is there anything else that you may want to impart on the listeners as far as uh, things that may be questions that you get quite often or or questions that you may have even had the, the bartenders and stuff like that? Um, reach what's out your, and ask what's your favorite like anytime you get to this point of the process you're just like oh this is my favorite part oh that's a good question good that's question, a great question. Um, my favorite part is actually the part we're going to do right after this is over which is sharing what I've worked on mm. uh, with people that that get to try it for the first time um, I'm I, I've always thought of myself as a maker 
I like to create and work with my hands and, and that's the, the best part of this job by far is being able to create something new and the look on somebody's face when they try it and then their eyes light up and go, oh, it mm. does taste like kettle corn. Mm. <laughs> that's a good name fa- drop right my, there. One of the more recent part of the process too. <laughs> recent added products, the kettle corn whiskey. So if you get yeah. an opportunity... Make sure you visit one of our locations across Middle and East Tennessee and try out that new kettle corn. It is fantastic. I mm-hmm. uh, actually had someone suggest uh, while we were discussing this at a completely separate uh, venue is that the kettle corn mixed with our creme brulee and then we can go anywhere with any of the fruit flavors and we're basically making a pie because the kettle corn, oh, yeah. if you wind up going to the old... Uh, jelly bean combination Mm -hmm. charts anytime you're making a pie or a cobbler of any kind they have you get the popcorn jelly bean to be able to make what would be the crust flavor the butter crust flavor going into whatever so that's that's kind of opened the door for some some other possibilities of some different combinations we can do just with the tennessee legend products wow um i think i might i actually i do i have one more question uh this is actually something that we were able to address not too long ago in our intercompany chat thread and this Mm. is one of the ones that i think that we get asked more often just because there is such a large number of people in the u.s and hopefully once we do get to uh the potential for international distribution are the concerns for any kind of allergies allergens anything like that in the product now i know that because we do use a true Wisconsin dairy for the dairy liqueurs. If anyone does have a lactose intolerance or any kind of dairy allergen, they definitely need to steer clear Mm -hmm. of those. Um, But of course, one of the more popular ones as of now that that happens to come up are going to be gluten-related allergies as well as um, what would be some nut allergies because we do have some products that that are listed as having a nut flavor to them. Uh, But the the explanation you gave was fantastic but if we could just actually hear it sure. i think that would be a, a another good yeah i'm happy to talk about that um now obviously we do our best to label any allergens in our products um if there's ever any concern i encourage somebody to just check the back of the bottle there's a couple weird ones like uh, i would like to point out our apple pie moonshine contains dairy allergens because uh, there are butter esters used mm-hmm. in uh, creating that crust flavor of the apple pie. Um, that's certainly not one you would think of as having dairy allergens. Um, but, uh, you know, we do our best to obviously disclose any of that. Um, but it is kind of a, a, an unexpected thing when, I, when you tell somebody, yeah, you have a peanut allergy, but this peanut butter whiskey... Uh, peanut butter cup whiskey doesn't actually contain any peanut allergens Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason we're able to do that is because of the the fundamental nature of how natural flavors are made Um, now natural flavors are essentially the the flavor components of a food that are isolated and extracted uh, and uh, blended together so uh, typically the aromatic compounds Mm. esters, alkenes, uh, terpenes, these, these organic molecules that create the flavors and aromas that we're used to. Most of the time when someone has an allergy to a food, it's typically an allergy related to a protein. And these proteins are much larger, more complex molecules uh, that, that often contribute to the body and structure of food, but not as significantly to the flavor itself. Okay. So. Um, and sometimes those flavor components, those individual aromatics, are not derived from the food that the flavor is named after. Uh, so for example, with the peanut whiskey, the flavor of a peanut can be isolated from other types of nuts, other legumes, uh, and these flavor components isolated and blended together to create something that tastes just like a peanut but is not derived from any actual peanuts and thus won't trigger any peanut allergy. That's awesome. That's part of that that mad scientistry. Yeah. I just made up a word, scientistry. Now, all, most of that work is done by the very talented scientists in our flavor houses. I'm certainly not doing that on my lab bench uh, at the distillery. Um, but I certainly benefit from their impressive mm-hmm. work. Heck yeah. Awesome. So that just makes me wonder about a lot of other 
products that you wind up consuming on a regular basis and the fact that maybe that strawberry flavored popsicle doesn't have anything strawberry in oh, yeah. it whatsoever. Oh yeah, you can have it if you're not if you're allergic to strawberries, you can yeah. still have it. You know, it's it's an interesting subject uh, that I, I didn't know much about before I do, dove into this world, but it is something that uh, you know is is kind of difficult in the food industry, and and I kind of support the push for more comprehensive labeling and allergens. Mm-hmm. Right now, the FDA only requires uh, a rather specific list of allergens to be documented on food products. Um, there are a few, you know, I, uh, that are not required to be documented, but are less common, but out there allergens. Uh, I make a point to list celery. Uh, one of mm-hmm. our products is a celery allergen. Uh, not a whole lot of people have that, but you certainly wouldn't uh, expect celery to, to pop up. That's in our fiery mango. Okay. Oh, nice. Heck yeah. Um, I, I made the choice to list that there. We're not required to, um, but especially when you're looking at flavors, you know, you might have an allergy to, to strawberry or something and drink something raspberry and have a reaction because they derive something from a strawberry not realizing mm. it. Um, so I, I think a, a little more uh, comprehensive labeling requirements would benefit people in, in tracking down and understanding yeah. their allergies. Um, one that, that came up recently is, is chocolate. Um, people talking about having a chocolate allergy and uh, an allergy to chocolate itself is actually incredibly rare. Um, the point that it's almost unheard of medically, but people often have a reaction to chocolate because they're actually allergic to soy or dairy or nuts or even berries that may be in the chocolate that they're eating that aren't disclosed. Oh, uh, wow. So, um, no, better better labeling will help protect people as well as heck yeah uh, some of these people. fantastic foods and stuff like that out there getting a bad rap because they're getting blamed for someone's allergic reaction whenever yeah. it's actually something else wow That's and it crazy. would also allow someone to if you had more comprehensive labeling someone to be like oh i actually can eat this yeah yeah, yeah you, things you that they thought they yeah and and i certainly understand if uh the, the fear there. Uh, if I was allergic to peanuts, I would be very loath to try something that, that said it tasted like peanuts, regardless of how much someone assured me that yeah. it was safe. Right. Um, but, you know, if, if you could feel confident in that, I think it would open up uh, some doors for people. Wow. That's awesome. Moral of that, the government needs to focus more on the, the relevant and important things and Instead not so much on taxes. On the taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and Yeah, we talking. definitely appreciate this. I mean, even some people that have been here for quite a few years, that's actually that some stuff. really good information that, that yeah, yeah, that we didn't even know that stuff that could be shared and passed along. Yeah, well, uh, I'm happy to share. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Thanks we definitely want to invite you back on and yeah. uh, hopefully the the head of steam that this thing may wind up picking up mm-hmm. as far as the podcast in general. Uh, continues on and we can have several guests and like I said bring you back in as a repeat guest I think we're looking at potentially talking to our distribution guy on the next go around to figure out another mm-hmm. aspect of the of the world here that is uh, Tennessee Legend Distillery mm-hmm. and it's it's affiliates as well as the the family as it were because I feel like this is a really big family we've mm-hmm. just got you know cousins over in cookville and yeah. nashville and stuff like yeah. that and we've got the the main part of the family here mm-hmm. um, it's it's really fun really fun yeah. uh we'll also probably try to get one of our other production crew guys up here and explain some of the process what it used to be like and what it is now mm. in comparison because uh, those guys i mean they would have thousands uh, tens of thousands of bottles on any given year wind up being processed individually by hand as far as the filling the labeling the sealing the all the entire process reboxing everything and getting it put back like the sheer number of bottles that wound up passing through these guys hands that have wound up in not only might as well just say all 50 of the the u.s states but getting into some foreign countries as well 
because I know that we've had multiple people that have come back and taken flights back to Canada, Europe, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be Where they've the UK their, or Germany yeah. or South America, Africa. We've had stuff going all over the place. Mm-hmm. So just the, like I said, just to reach out to those guys and give them another uh, glad hand, pat on the back, oh, yeah. and, and just get some more insight from those. But like Tyler said, Justin, we definitely appreciate you coming on today and and giving us some more insight into the the inner workings of what the distillery would be. And we look forward to the next time and definitely excited to to crack open Mm -hmm. and see what you've got in this bag over here that's been staring at us this entire time. So with that, guys, we definitely want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. As always, I'm Brian. And I'm Opie. And we'll see you on the next one, guys. Let's try this. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.